Dose New York Knicks podcast with Andre Gallagher. We're back at it. Back at it. We're going to get some new music for the new season. We don't have it yet. We're going to get it together for the new season. I think I heard somebody, it was a whole nother podcast or something on YouTube and was playing the same song. They stole it from me. So we can't have that. We got to find something else. Next media day practice has begun. They're in Charleston, South Carolina. Pretty decent town. We went. I went down there one time. Decent town. I wish I was down there now to see what was going on, but there's nothing really going on. They were out there working hard, practicing. Julius Randle cut his hair early in the summer. It's not news. The only news that came out, two things. You want to call it news. That Quentin Grimes is starting. No, duh. Who didn't know Quentin Grimes was going to start? I mean, I, I think you guys just... I guess it's possible Hart starts or Dante starts, but why would you start? I don't think it's possible. I don't. I really don't think that they would start Hart. And why would you have Dante come right out of the gate starting day one? I can I can almost see if there's a a week of practice, a couple of weeks of practice, and Dante outplays Grimes, but it's just it's too much invested in Grimes to not give him the starting nod. He was good as a starter last year. What's the point in not starting him? Just start him. A lot of offensive potential there. A lot of talk about him being more aggressive this year. Something I've talked about on this show is not a secret. A lot of people talked about it. I see the talent there. I see the skill there. He needs to be more aggressive. He needs to be a little less apprehensive on offense. When the ball finds him, he has to he has to have an idea what he wants to do with it instead of just being a, a ball mover. And a lot of times he's a ball mover. And, and instead of being and reading and reacting when he gets the ball, he's just kind of skittish about it, you know, kind of like hot potato, getting rid of it trying to get the ball to somebody else. And I understand there's a lot of guys who could who are looking for shots. I get it. But at the same time, he he has a skill set that I don't think most of the other guys have. Even Brunson is not as good attacking the paint as Quentin Grimes can be. Because Brunson's not as explosive. He's, you know, obviously he's excellent at what he does, but Quentin is explosive. So that first step is is nuts. So when he attacks the rim, attacks the paint, defense has to scramble just a little bit faster, a little bit harder, and it's coming from a place that they that the offense wasn't necessarily geared towards going to. So they might already be in a state of flux and rotation, and then he hits them with that first step, gets into that paint, and he needs to either finish that, and he's really good at dropping that pass off when the help the center comes and steps up to him, he drops a pass off to the center probably as well as anybody. And it's, and it's a product usually of, of how fast he gets into the paint. Guys have to rotate very quickly, which gets them out of position. Whereas a lot of the other guys being a little bit slower, a little bit more methodical, you know, guys can get in their defensive position just a little bit more in, in a more calculated fashion, which allows them to cut off angles a little bit easier. Right. So, Having Grimes not be afraid to take that pull-up mid-range, not be afraid to attack and put the boogies on somebody and get to the front of the rim, I think that's a big, big change to the Knicks offense this year that no one is talking about enough. Because he can he can really get guys off their spots defensively. He can 
He can shake him off the dribble. He can pump fake him, attack closeouts. It's a lot of things he can do, but he's not he's not been doing it consistently. He needs to. So I think the fact that the Knicks are acknowledging what he needs to do, he's acknowledging what he needs to do, and they have reportedly given him the freedom to do it, that's all good news. That's probably the best news you're going to get out of this camp outside of everyone being healthy. The other news coming out of camp actually surprised me a little bit, although it was an obvious thing uh, between Isaiah Roby and Jericho Sims. You can see the value in Isaiah Roby playing and, and being able to spread the floor a little bit. But, you know, Jericho Sims earned an opportunity to play. So you knew that was going to kind of be a juggling act there between the two of them. What surprises me, and this was touched on in camp, what surprises me is that they're not having RJ and Hart. Really Hart. They're saying RJ, but I just don't believe. The more you think about it, if there is a if there is a perimeter threat on the floor, Josh Hart is going to guard him. So that if that perimeter threat is not the power forward, then you shouldn't feel, you shouldn't hesitate to put RJ Barrett on. But if there's a perimeter threat on the floor, which there usually is, it's better to have heart on that guy. No question. But if that power forward is a is a threat in and around the paint, I don't know. I think I'd rather have Josh Hart on him. But we can see how RJ does. Let's see how RJ does. I think they're gonna play I think those matchups are gonna be played by ear. So I was more comfortable saying Josh Hart would be the backup power forward because I know Josh Hart is the one that's gonna get all the rebounds. I know he's the one that's going to be fighting with cats in the paint, whereas R.J. Barrett is probably not going to be that guy. But at the same time, if you have the two of them on the floor at the same time, R.J. Barrett is probably going to be a weaker defender on the perimeter than Josh Hart would be. Uh, not probably. He is. So I, But either, either way, without diving too deep into that, I expected Josh and R.J. to be the primary backup force, not Jericho. Because Jericho hurts the spacing on the team. He's not an offensive threat. And having RJ and Hart on the floor at the same time offensively makes you a a pretty dynamic offensive team. So, and you wouldn't be losing much defensively, especially compared to Obi. Whereas when Obi came into the game last year, transition offense went up. The speed of the game and pace went up. The speed and pace would still go up with Josh Hart and RJ on the front line. Both of those guys like to rebound and go. They both like to run. So it would still be quick pace. So you wouldn't really be losing much in the second unit with those two guys on the front line. Whereas with Jericho, you're losing something on in the half-court offense because he hurts the spacing. And he's not a great offensive rebounder. All right? And he's not great around the basket outside of catching an you. So I feel like you're hurting yourself on the offense. And defensively, I love Jericho Sims defensively. There's no question about it. I, I just don't know if he's going to add enough defensively at, backup, at the backup four to negate what you're losing on offense. And the minutes you give Jericho at backup four are minutes that could be disseminated between Dante, Josh, and RJ, and Grimes, and even quickly to an extent, 
because all of those guys quickly with the asterisk, all of those guys can be interchangeable defensively. So they can all play two through four asterisk to Dante who wouldn't be playing the four, but he can be on the floor with Josh and RJ who we all, who can both play the four back of four, right? So all of those guys could get more minutes if all of them are, are occupying the minutes at the four, three, and two, they can all get more minutes if if it's just limited to those guys at the at the two, three, and four, right? But when you throw Jericho Sims in there, you're you're taking fifteen minutes away from those three, four guys, uh, five guys really quickly: Grimes, Dante, Hart, and RJ, and. You're taking 15 minutes away from those guys who should be on the floor. All of them deserve minutes. And you're giving them to Jericho. And not to say he doesn't deserve minutes, but he's he's the one guy there who doesn't do, who doesn't give you something on, on both ends of the floor. Asterisk to RJ, who's a little shaky defensive. You know, he's the one guy who doesn't shoot. Simple as that. So I just, I, I'm not real comfortable with that notion. I think Jericho should should be a personnel play. You know, if they have a big backup four, um, throw Jericho in there. You know, foul trouble, throw Jericho in there. I really think they should be focused on Hart, RJ, Dante, and Grimes. Splitting all of those, shooting guard, small forward. And, you know, obviously power forward is not going to be for Grimes. But it, it kind of scares me that they're not going to the game doing that. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that. But those are the only two things coming out of the camp. I know some of you fans who don't really pay attention. I saw somebody say, ask if Fournier was at camp. Man, you know you don't follow Nick News if you don't know if Fournier's in camp. Because if Fournier wasn't in camp, you would hear about it. So I don't understand. Why would you ask that question because you haven't heard anything? That means you don't follow the team. That's my issue with some of these fans. You don't follow the team. If you follow the team and you know Fournier's in camp. Because if he wasn't in camp, it would be news. And you would not miss it because you follow the team. And it would be big news that he wasn't in camp. You you think you just missed the news? What, like, what you doing? You on, you on Mars? There's no, there's no way you follow Nick News and not know who's missing in camp. No way. Goodness. And that brings me to a point that I saw somebody make. Because, you know, the Knicks brass, they don't talk to the media. Leon Rose doesn't talk to the media. Something that doesn't bother me. But it bothers the media. So they're often criticized for that. And because they don't do it, one of the only teams that don't do it, they're going to get criticism and that, you know, whatever. I don't care. But the way they're criticized for, for doing it, the arguments the media makes, they don't make sense to me. But they've definitely convinced some of the fan base that they're they're making a good argument. It's a good argument from the media because the media has a job to do. So I understand that they can't get quotes. They can't do part of their job because the brass does not talk and they're resentful about it. I get that 100%. 100%. All of their news have to has to have to come from whispers and all and uh you know, anonymous sources, etc. I get it. But as a fan base, you don't know what the Knicks are doing. You don't know what the Knicks are doing. You don't know their plan. You know how often I see this on Twitter. People say, oh, what are the Knicks plan? What's the Knicks plan? You don't know what the Knicks plan is. 
The Knicks' plan has been the same thing for three, four years. They've been trying to get a superstar and they ain't been able to get him. Hey, if you don't know that, then what the hell are you doing? You just, you're just complaining to be complaining. There's no way, there's no way, in no way, shape, or form can you not know what the Knicks' plan is. They literally talk about it all the time. You follow any NBA podcast, ESPN, Nick Twitter, anybody, Nick Beat Writers, they've been telling you for years what the Nick plan is. But it, but they, they might pretend they don't know the plan on a day when they want to complain about the Knicks not talking, uh, talking to the media. But throughout the season, they will report it incessantly what the Knicks plan is because everyone knows it. So if you think that you're a Knicks fan and you don't know what the Knicks plan is and you don't really follow the team and that's okay. Everybody's busy. They have a life. They don't, they don't want to be on Nick Twitter. They don't want to read Nick's news on, on newspapers and the athletic. They don't listen to all of the podcasts. I get it. It's fine. But stop talking about them then. Stop talking about it. How do you have an opinion and not be educated on it at all? You can have, we can have a varied, we can have varied opinions. But at least know some basic information. You complaining about things, about information that's readily available just because you're parroting what other people are saying. Everybody knows what the Knicks plan is. Every single person. Every single person. Every Bobby Mark sits up there during free agency talking about it. Woj, Shams, everybody. Stephen A. Smith, uh, whatever, whatever, just whatever Stephen A. Smith says, who knows, who cares. Knicks fan TV, anywhere you go, you know what the Knicks plan is. Stop being on Twitter with this full outrage talking about you don't know what their plan is. You know what their plan is. Shut up. Shut up. And here's the other excuse that, or the, the other reason that people swear up and down the Knicks brass should be answering questions. They need to be held accountable. Accountability. What accountability? What what are you talking about? You gonna he's gonna be shot, arrested? What accountability are you talking about? The Knicks went to the second round last year. What accountability? There's no accountability. James Dolan just did an interview. He does interviews every now and then. People holding him accountable to something. He's owning a team. He don't care what you think. You guys speak of accountability like they're they're politicians who need to be voted in. That's not what's happening here. Like last year, well, it's not last year anymore. The year before, the Knicks missed the playoffs. You wanted Leon Rose to to talk to you and tell you that he screwed up in signing Kimball Walker. That's what you need to hear? That's what you need to hear? Why do you need to hear that? You not are you not able to figure that out on your own? Are you not? What do you need to hear them say? They're not going to tell you which players they're going after because they can't. They're not going to tell you that they failed at going after the players that they want to get because what's the point? You know they failed. So what's the point? <laughs> what do you want for what do you want to hear that's going to make you feel better? It's nonsense. It's just fake outrage. It's driving me nuts. You're just looking for something to complain about. If you're watching, you know, if you watch, if you listen to Ian Begley, Steve Popper, 
uh, Fred Katz. If you listen and read these guys, they tell you what's going on all the time. You're probably getting more accurate information from them than you would from from uh, the brass talking because they're not going to be they're not going to be so clear in their interviews. They're not going to be that direct because they can't speak on these things directly. Now, I don't hold I don't hold in in high regard all the reports from reporters. Don't get me wrong, but it's probably more accurate from those three guys. I'm just saying those three guys. It's probably probably more accurate from those three guys than what you would actually hear coming out of their mouth. Because it's going to be a lot of talky talk. Because that's what GMs do. That's what presidents do. I don't know why you guys are clamoring for it. I know why the media is clamoring for it. I just don't know why you're clamoring for it. I do a show. I have to have material for the show. I know what's going on to my satisfaction. Doesn't mean I agree. Doesn't mean I agree. It doesn't mean any of that. But I know what's going on. Why are you so confused? I don't get it. Now we know nicks for clicks is a thing. We know that. That people are going to speak negatively about the nicks because it it actually gets them more engagement on social media and a lot of people get paid off of that. We know that. If you don't know that, catch up. So that's why, and that's been the case for a long, long time. That's the case with some, a lot of Nick trade rumors are just completely made up just to get people talking about the Knicks. It's a thing that Stephen A. Smith does with his fake outrage. It's a thing. Everybody knows it's a thing. Knicks for clicks is a thing. Okay? So understand that that's an aspect to all of this. But some of you are just actual Nick fans who don't follow the team closely enough to actually know what you're talking about. So it's almost like highlight culture when you only know a little bit about a player because you see them in the highlights, but you don't actually watch them and you don't see them for their flaws as well as their strengths, right? So for the Knicks, you you watch a game here and there and then you hear some news here and there, but you don't really follow the team. So you don't have the real perspective. It's almost like I always get upset when I when I see somebody who's a fan of their team, but not the sport. Because it's hard to talk about the sport when you're just a fan of your team. Everything you, everything that your your entire perspective is just limited to what you see with your team. And when you watch the entire sport, you kind of have a, a broader understanding of what's happening, right? It's like when people say you you wouldn't trade R.J. Barrett for Donovan Mitchell. Well, you couldn't just trade R.J. Barrett for Donovan Mitchell. So let's not. Oh, R.J. Barrett and a couple draft picks. Yeah, uh, it wasn't just a couple draft picks, and it wasn't just R.J. Barrett. So, can we not do this? Because you don't know the, you don't know what you're talking about. So stop it. And I don't understand why everybody's in such a hurry to talk about things they don't know what they're talking about. I don't get it. Is your need for attention that strong? This, if you want, if you want to know what you're talking about, go catch up. And none of that is was any more evident. Then this summer with all of these player transactions from Beal, Paul Poole, uh, Damian Lillard, Drew Holiday, KP, all of these guys start getting moved around and you start seeing Nick fans get antsy, right? And if you're really following Nick News, Nick Twitter, you know there was not a universal feeling on any one of those players I just named. 
Not any one of them. There was always a large contingent of Knicks fans who did not want that player. Yet, there are people, tons of Knicks fans, that are criticizing the Knicks for not getting those players. I mean, let's go down the line. Let's put an asterisk in Poole because he's probably the most polarizing player on the list, right? Chris Paul. Where is Chris Paul going to play? Where Where is all the money that you need to trade to get Chris Paul coming from? So he could be the backup point guard. Listen, I like the idea of Chris Paul being the backup point guard. But you can't. Who are you trading to get him? And that's where you want to that's where you want to put that contract money. You want to put it you want to put it in Chris Paul, who's always hurting the playoffs. So he got backup Jalen Brunson and maybe play next to him, maybe, and and sit Grimes and, and sit IQ for Chris Paul. That's what that's your plan. I, I just don't think it's a great one. It's a debatable one at best. KP. KP signed an extension, averaging, I think, around $36 million a year. That's that. You want to pay KP $36 million a year? I can I can create a scenario and talked about a scenario where KP could come off the bench for the team because I don't think he was really a starting center. Now, I could be wrong there because his defensive stats, and I talked about this, his defensive stats last year were better than I thought, but he's nowhere near as good defensively as Mitchell Robinson is, and the Knicks depend greatly on Mitchell Robinson defensively. And we've seen KP for the Knicks and against the Knicks not be much of a defensive force for the teams that we're playing. Now, he's been a great offensive player or a very, very good offensive player without question and would have and has a perfect skill set that the Knicks need at, to me, backup center and backup power forward. And small ball five when you need some offense. I don't know if I would start him there. And you see the Celtics are probably not going to start him at center. It's still going to be Horford, but he'll play center a good bit. And there's still some questions as to, as to whether or not the Celtics are going to be good with him there, right? After losing Robert Williams in that subsequent deal, right? But KP costs a lot of money. $36 million, I think that's what it is without looking at it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's somewhere around there. That's You're married to him. That's that's the superstar that you want because that's superstar money. That's very close to superstar money. That's the superstar you want, KP, because that's you got to pay him like that. Does that make sense? I don't think so. I don't think so. Bradley Beal. I don't know how many Nick fans wanted Bradley Beal. He makes a lot of money. He was injured a lot. He's not necessarily a great defensive player. He didn't shoot great from three last year. You know, he's known as a shooter, but didn't shoot great from three. Maybe he'll get better uh, having better talent, more talented players around him. I think he's an excellent offensive player, but is that the guy you wanted? Is that your superstar? You wanted Bradley Beal to be the superstar? Because you get Bradley Beal and you're not getting anybody else. I just don't know. I don't know if that was the right move. You know who else we got? Dame Lillard. So you're going to play Jalen Brunson and Dame Lillard next to each other? I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm just saying that's your plan. That's how you're going to beat everybody. That's how you're going to win the chip. Maybe it works, but Dame Lillard is how old? That's you want to go all in on that? That's, that's your plan? 
It's not like you have Giannis here. That's who you want the Knicks to cash in on? Uh, old Dame Lillard? Now, you can easily criticize me and say, I felt that way about Paul George, but Paul George is a different player than Dame Lillard. I'm not, don't tell me who's better. It's about who's a fit. Paul George at 6'8 can, can play three positions. I'm not going to say point guard, even though he does play point guard too. And he can defend those positions as well. A different player, a different skill set, and a perfect one for what the Knicks need. Yes, he's older, but he his his skill set and size was perfect for what the Knicks need. Whereas Dame is might be a better player, but not at the positions the Knicks were going to have to place him in. But yeah, Paul George, who hasn't been traded, I still believe for the right price, Paul George would be a nice two-year rental for the Knicks. I think that's what it would have been. I don't know if it's feasible. He wants an extension. We're not going to have that conversation right now. But he wasn't traded. And Dane Lillard was. And I don't think it fits the Knicks. Now, Drew Holiday. Now we're on to something. Because Drew Holiday can play alongside uh, Jalen Brunson. But Drew Holiday's had his, his shaky times in the playoffs too. But... I would have been happy to get Drew Holiday. But what if I told you that IQ and Grimes may not be as good as Drew Holiday defensively, but are damn good. And that trading IQ and Grimes for an older Drew Holiday is probably not the best move for the organization because Drew Holiday is not necessarily that high-end, top-tier superstar. He doesn't necessarily make the Knicks a title contender. He makes them a stronger team. But is he a stronger team if you had to give up IQ or Grimes? Because their defense is good too. Great, actually. And Drew Holiday is not going to be a guy who can put points on the board when you need it the most. And I'm not saying he's not. It's just that I I don't know if he's any better than what the Knicks already have down the stretch. Maybe he's better than Julius. Maybe he's better than RJ. And turn. I'm talking about down the stretch scoring the ball. But he hasn't been tremendous. But it's an upgrade over Julius and RJ, I would say. But is it enough of an upgrade to justify what it would cost to get him? Because it would also mean that you can't get anybody else. So you make that move, you're basically saying, this is our championship move. Are you a championship team with Drew Holiday? I don't think so. So that's what you're going to cry about? Now, Jordan Poole, asterisk, because there's a lot of highlight fans out there who see Jordan Poole's offensive potential and believe that that means he's going to win a championship. And that's just not how that works. He's a great offensive player, but he doesn't play any defense. And if you're trying to win in the playoffs, you can't have a guy on the floor who doesn't play any defense like that. And before you tell me about Jalen Brunson's defense, Jalen Brunson's defense is better than Jordan Poole's defense. Jalen is there. Jalen gets picked on, but he's there. And the problem with Jalen is he's just too small. But Jordan Poole is not much bigger than him. So, listen, Jordan Poole is going to have a grand old time in Washington. He's going to score a ton of points, and he might refine his game and might become more of an efficient player and more of a better uh, better two-way player. But more better. Whatever. But I don't – you saw Golden State was happy to get rid of him because most people around the league – Thinks think Golden State was crazy to give him all that money, and then as soon as as soon as they got a chance, they got rid of him. 
for an aging player. And you could just say that was a bad move. Sure. But think about the move. Think about the decision that front office had to make when they traded Jordan Poole for Chris Paul. Think about what that had to be. That was the best that they could get. The value for Jordan Poole around the league is not nearly as much as you think it is. It's just not. It's just not. So he was not the answer, objectively. Even though y'all can debate how 25 points per game all you want. He He was not the answer for the Knicks. He just wasn't. But who is? Of the players who are floating around who are available, who might become available, people talk about, I don't, I don't entertain things like Embiid, I, because who knows, Giannis, well, Giannis is in Milwaukee, he got Dane Lillard, he's not going anywhere. I, I can't entertain guys who have no intention right now of going anywhere, as far as what's been reported, that right now they're not moving. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about those dudes. I'll talk about the dudes who were reported to be on the block and reported to be on the move. And the only one that I've heard is still Donovan Mitchell. And as much as I personally like the idea of Donovan Mitchell being a Nick, being on the Knicks, depending on what it costs, I don't know if that makes the Knicks appreciably better. Depending on what it costs. Does it mean no IQ? Does it mean no Grimes? Does it mean, you know, I can, I can stomach losing Dante because Dante hasn't played yet. And again, I don't mean Dante for, Don, for Donovan. I'm just talking about losing players in the rotation who are contributing to the team. Because in order to win the championship, you got to have contributions, you know, one through eight. You know, guys who can grind, play D, make big shots, make plays. When you gut your roster to get you a Donovan Mitchell, then you're, you become a weaker team because Donovan Mitchell, unlike a Paul George, does not fit exactly what the Knicks need. He's a scorer, but because of his size, he he opens up other issues for the Knicks that they might not be able to contend with. All right, he's better defensively than than Jalen is, but still too small. And I'm not saying the Knicks shouldn't get him, but I'm just saying this is not a perfect move. So the, the perfect move is just not out there. So when you complain about the Knicks not making moves, you're complaining about them not getting these guys I just mentioned. And those guys don't turn the tide. I don't know who the I don't know who that player is. Who would be available? Shea Gilgis. I I don't think he's available, so you're not going to get him. You know the guys the guys who I think who are perfect. Anthony Edwards. He's not going anywhere. Those are the guys who I think are perfect for the Knicks. Depending on what you have to give up, but I think those guys are perfect for the Knicks, and it didn't, it's not going to happen. So the Knicks are who they are, and you can't be mad at them for not swinging and missing on players that aren't going to make them better significantly. You can't. Just be happy with the ride, because you guys are looking at these other teams. I still see people putting Miami ahead of the Knicks. Huh? I'm not saying Miami can't finish better than the Knicks, but why would you think Miami's going to be better than the Knicks? Based on what? They lost two of their most important guys. So why would you think that? Jimmy Butler's walking around with a perm and you over here talking about Miami's going to be better. Why? Miami went, they went all chips on the table for Dame and didn't get him. They lost Gabe Vincent. They lost Struess. And you guys are sitting around acting like that's nothing. Oh, Gabe Vincent is that. Did you not watch the playoffs? Did you miss it? 
He was it was very important to their playoff run. And Kyle Lowry did not play most of the season last year. <laughs> Kyle Lowry's in and out of the lineup. He was very important in their playoff run, but for a regular season run, like what you put a whole lot of hopes on Tyler Hero to say that Miami's gonna be better. They barely made the playoffs last year. And you're already predicting them to be better than the Knicks. Again, you, you, I might make the bet. The odds might be long. So I might even bet on Miami. But you have no reason to think that they're going to be better. Like, there's no logical reason to say that the Knicks, who were stronger than they were last year, finished ahead of Miami in the standings, are not going to be better than them in the regular season after getting better in the offseason and Miami got worse. Don't talk to me about the playoffs because Miami's a playoff team. Great. So we can talk about what Miami's going to do in the playoffs if they make it. But in the regular season, no. With fragile Jimmy Butler, no. Right now, they're in shambles. Okay? You guys still talking about them being better. That's a joke. There are other teams that are better. The Cavs are better. Boston. Listen, I think Boston is without question better. I thought the Drew Holiday trade was a tremendous trade for them. Yes, they lost Robert Williams. Robert Williams is a big part of what they do defensively, but it was kind of a, a glut in the front line anyway between Hartford, KP, and Robert Williams. You can't play all of them at the same time. You know, I'm a big proponent of not having too much at the same positions, too many talented players at the same positions that they can't actually be on the floor and contribute because it's kind of pointless. Like that's that's almost like pointless depth. That's that's injury depth. It's not functional depth if everyone is healthy. Because if Robert Williams is great defensively, but then you got to pull him out the game because you got to give KP minutes, and then you in Harford, you know Harford took a step back last year. We saw him struggle, but I am a big Harford guy and what he contributes to a team. So if Harford is struggling and you got to pull him and you want to play small and put KP at center, now you got two rotation players who you're paying. I mean, Harford's not making a ton of money anymore, but two two rotation players that are are important to what you do who you're not even going to have them on the floor in the last four minutes of the game because you want to play Tatum and, and Brown at, on the front line and KP at center. You know, with, with uh, Derek White and Drew Holiday, which is a, a potent lineup. But you got two important rotation players sitting on the bench uh, because, because your, your five best players are those guys and those are who you're going to roll with at the end of the game. And now your sixth and seventh best players, even forget who's starting, they play similar positions. So, and I guess Horford can spread the floor and all of that stuff, but they're still playing similar positions. Power forward and center. So if you want to play small, then you have three guys, talented rotation player guys who would have to play center when you're playing small. In other words, if you look at the best players on their team, Robert Williams, Hawford, and KP are obviously on that list. Those are players who you want to play minutes. But those are three players that would be vying for the same two-position minutes. Right? Three players vying for the same two-position minutes. I'm not saying it's a problem. But it's if you can get a Drew Holiday and give up one of those players, and have to give up one of those players to get that Drew Holiday, then it can make sense. Like, all right, now we have, now we've kind of consolidated. If everyone is healthy, then we have a KP and we have a Horford to play the four and the five. So we know, and if we play small, it's going to be one or the other. Instead of having to fit in this extra guy who has a very particular skill set defensively, 
who you almost always want him on the floor because he changes so many things defensively for the other, you know, and affects the other team so greatly. You always want to play him, but you can't really play him without taking the minutes away from the other guy. So if there was no Drew Holiday, you would have tried to find a way to make it work, especially with Horford's injuries and his age. But in the playoffs, you want Horford to play, right? You want Horford to play. KP is a little a little insurance for Horford not playing well. You can sit him and, and still have a stretch five on the floor, so that helps. But I still believe that if there was a position that you could take from to get a Drew Holiday, it was that position. But does it mean that throughout the regular season with KP's injury history and Horford's age and Robert Williams also has an injury history, does that mean that they're going to be dry up front if somebody gets hurt? Yes. Yes. It does. Like I, I really don't believe, you know, Cornette is going to be the the difference maker if those guys get hurt. Okay, and then you lose Brogdon, who was you know very important to what the Boston Celtics did last year, but he had an injury history and he's a little fragile. But you have to give up something to get something. I don't know if the upgrade upgrade from a healthy Brogdon to a Drew. It's 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 an upgrade. Don't get me wrong, Drew. I love Drew Holiday, but is that enough of an upgrade to make the Celtics a better team than they were last year? They're still good. Are they better? I think they're situationally better. I think. I think Drew serves to to replace Marcus Smart as a defensive stopper with a little bit more efficiency in theory and decision-making on and good decision-making on the offensive end. So it was upgrade over smart, but is it an upgrade over, is it upgrade over smart? Is an upgrade over Brogdon, but is it an upgrade over smart and Brogdon? Maybe it's a little bit of a consolidation of position as well, just like in the front line, because you have Derek White, who's, who's also a, a difference maker defensively and can make some smart plays on offense, save saved some games for them. Had that big save in the playoffs last year on the offensive rebound. It's a consolidation of talent and skill sets, but does it make them better than they were last year? You know, I I think it does, but I don't think I think it's I think it's it's, it's, when I say it's situational, I mean to say there are going to be plays that are made that Drew Holiday makes that maybe some of those other guys don't make. But those guys make big plays too. You know, and there might be a play that KP makes that Robert Williams wouldn't make or a combination of Robert Williams and Horford wouldn't make. But there are plays that Robin Williams would make that KP's not going to make. So I, I I think that the Celtics were already a better team than the Knicks. And when people are talking about everybody got better but the Knicks, the Celtics were already better. So what do you care? So if they got better, they got marginally better. So what are you stressing it for? They were already better than you. Maybe you could have beaten them. Maybe you couldn't have. But they were already better. And now we that moves us to Milwaukee. You can't tell me 
that trading Drew. I mean, it was a good package that the Portland got for for Drew Holiday. But you can't tell me that Portland was not intent on trading Drew Holiday to an Eastern Conference contender. Just to stick it to Dane. You cannot convince me of it. Just to stick it to Dane. You can't convince me of it. There was clearly a lot of bad blood between the organization and Dane by the end of these things. This thing. You can't convince me that after trading him to Milwaukee, giving him a title contender, giving him one of the best players in the league to play with, they did not think to themselves, Boston, if you make us a good deal, you're going to get Drew Holiday. Because we're going to love to see Dame Lillard try to Dame Tom Drew Holiday. And down the stretch, with an axe to grind, with an axe to grind, you can't tell me that they did not think about that. They clearly had a little issue with Miami. They they would have had no problem trading them to Miami if that issue did not exist, I assume. But that matchup come playoff time is going to be nasty. It's going to be nasty. So I, it's, it's going to be one of those best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. If Milwaukee has to play Boston and Drew Holiday gets matched up against Dame Lillard, I just don't see how Milwaukee comes out on top on that. I just don't. I just don't think the stars. I don't think the basketball gods will allow it. But yeah, those teams, those two teams, are clearly the class of the conference. If we're talking about Milwaukee being better, I think it's definitely the same answer. It's situational. You come down the stretch, Milwaukee's better with Dame Lillard. At the same time, Drew Holiday gives them a a great chance to win with his play throughout the game. Big plays down the stretch, no question. But having Dame Lillard be the force that Dame Lillard is down the stretch of games, that's just hard to overcome. At the same time, Dame Lillard has not had a lot of success in the playoffs. And you could say that's because of the team that's been around him because he's definitely had his moments where he's done everything he can do. But it's it's having players that like Drew Holiday, frankly, that actually win playoff games. But they have Giannis. So it's hard to say Milwaukee's not a better team with Dame Lillard, but they're not going to be, it may not be reflected in the stats. But when the game is tight down the stretch, you'd rather have Dame Lillard on the, on the team than Drew Holiday. In, in spite of his great defensive play. When you need to make a basket and you got to make big baskets and big spots against the best teams in the league, you'd probably rather have Dame Lillard there. So that's where they're better. But these are two teams that were better than the Knicks anyway. So stop stressing it. Enjoy the season. Enjoy what's ahead. We're going to see what more news comes out of this week in Charleston. Kind of like the Knicks going to Dagobah, like Pat Riley used to do back in the day. Getting there, act together getting their mind right for this season. It should be an exciting year. I want to see every year is talk about quickening the pace. I haven't heard that yet this year. I might have missed the quotes, but it always slows down after a couple of weeks. I'm not even get excited about it. But, but having playmakers like Dante added to the rotation, a full offseason training camp with Josh Hart, the potential of them having – a small lineup behind Julius Randle, even though it doesn't seem like that's the case. 
exciting year. Everybody gets a little bit better. Quickly got at is trying to earn his contract. Listen, if you're not pumped for the season and you're not really a fan, I'll say it clear as day. You got to be pumped at this point. So let's get ready. Until next time. <laughs>